Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. There was somebody here today who's recently had a uh, bike accident or come off their bike and they've got a bit of pain on the right side um, of, their, of their body. If that is you, I'd love to just pray with you at the end of this um, and let's just see what God does. So I'm just going to put that out there. I'm just being obedient to God before I start and then we can continue. It's an absolute privilege to be here. Um, I've, as Owen has said, I've known him and Pauline for the best part of 17, 18 years. Um, yes, I do look young. The cocoa butter does wonders. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's been a while. Um, and uh, I do lead a church in New Cross, Emmanuel New Cross, which we launched in October 2016 out of Emmanuel Church London, which is based in Greenwich. Um, and I just want to start with just throwing a, a, a bit of meat to some of the stuff which Owen said about my journey. Um, and I'll be quick, but I think this is relevant. So I was brought up in South East London um, in a place called Blackheath, which is between Greenwich and Lewisham Borough. And, yeah, there was some things which happened in my life, which, unfortunately, is kind of stereotypical of young black guys growing up. My mum and dad divorced when I was seven. And um, as a result of that, I went through a few uh, periods of questioning why. But at that point, the church my mum was going to, it was a wonderful, welcoming place to a young black family uh, who, um, whose dad wasn't around. I went to church, I went to Boys Brigade, um, right up until the age of 16, and then I decided that basically church and Boys Brigade wasn't really for me. I was a lot more interested in DJing, promoting events, and women, or girls, because I was like 16 at that time. Um, and that was my thing, I was like, yeah, this is, this is good, and it pays as well. Uh, I, I threw my first rave at 15 years old. And I lied to the, the pub um, and said I was 18 and I got in and I disinvited all my school friends and I made about £500. And I was like, ooh, this could work. So, um, and I continued that and I went to university and everything just ramped up. What was kind of fun uh, then became a little bit of a headache because uh, the raving went higher and the drinking went to the next level, and the womanizing went to the next level. And by the time I came out of university, I was just battered and bruised from the whole experience. Um, and then three things happened very quickly, which kind of started changing my perspective on my life. The first thing was that my, my dear grandmother, uh, the matriarch of the family, uh, foundations of my family, Christian woman, died suddenly uh, in 1999, and that just threw me. I've never had anybody die around me before, and therefore I was asking questions, what does that really mean? The second thing, um, even though I said my mum my and dad divorced when I was seven, uh, my dad attempted to have a relationship with me, and one of the ways he did that, he ran a clothes shop, a designer clothes shop in South East London, which meant that any time I wanted clothes... Um, I would not have to work for it. I would just go, my dad would just give me clothes and he would give me money, which messed up my way of kind of 
um, how I handled money and, and materialism. So I was probably the only 16, 17, 18 year old wearing like 500 pound jeans and all this type of stuff and it was just wasn't good. But then my dad lost his business. So then suddenly I'm like, oh, I've lost my, my nan and I've lost uh, my, my materialism and all that type of stuff and so I was thrown. And then the third thing that happened was that um, I came out of university and I, I expected a job. I was like, okay, I've done all this hard work. Pay me. Where's, where's my job? And there wasn't one. And I had to sign on. I had to go down to the job centre. And um, it hit my pride massively. By the end of 1999, my drinking, my womanising, and everything had just gone out of control. And I can now look back and think I was actually depressed. I then meet, as Owen mentioned, uh, my then girlfriend. I meet her in a bar, and we start talking about God. And as a result from there, we then do the Alpha course, and everything changed. Everything changed. I understood, we were just singing about amazing grace. I understood what amazing grace was. I understood that Jesus Christ came to this earth for me. I had the opportunity for forgiveness. I had the opportunity to start again. I had the opportunity to be made clean. It was an absolutely wonderful um, revelation to who I was and it completely transformed me and, then, and that is just a part of my story now for those who may be new to Christianity or you're looking in at that point you might think everything was brilliant and is brilliant but the truth is when I became a Christian my, the things around me the tensions, the pressures of life didn't just disappear. They didn't just disappear. Life didn't just become easier. I'm an old school hip-hop head. I love old school hip-hop, for good or bad, I love it. And there is a, an old school uh, 90s hip-hop group called Mob Deep. And I doubt none of you would know who they are. But they've got... Um, a, oh, OK, a few, oh, a few people. We'll pray for you later, that's cool. Um, <laughs> And they've got a, there's, there's a track on their 1995 album called The Infamous, which gives you an idea of the type of album it is, um, and it's a track called Survival of the Fittest. And the lyric goes, there's a war going on outside, no man is safe from, you can run but you can't hide forever. And to be honest, even though I became a Christian and I understood what Jesus had done, I still felt I was in survival of the fittest mode when I went out into work life, the things I was seeing around me. And therefore, I, I, at times, I struggled. Like, I'm, I'm this new creation, I'm this new being, but I still see the pressures of life. I've still got to uh, provide for my, my family. I'm still stressed out by what I see in the streets of London. There's discouragement all around me. Now, maybe this was just me. I don't know if anybody else experiences this stuff, but that was where I, where I was going. And this lyric kind of contradicted what I, I knew was true in the Bible. John 10, 9 to 11 says, I came, this is Jesus, that they may have life and have it abundantly. But this was different to what I was kind of experiencing. Like, that doesn't sound like survival of the fittest when Jesus says this. It sounds like we're, sounds like we're flourishing and we are to thrive. We, we bloom. That is what, when Jesus says that, that's what it sounds like. But that wasn't what I was kind of 
experience. And so I, I, I found myself having to work out how do I flourish, how do I bloom, even though all the world around me isn't as it should be. Has anybody ever seen the film Inception? A few people. Leonardo DiCaprio basically leads this, this team of people who can go in and out of people's dreams and either steal things and ideas from people's dreams or put things in there. Uh, it's, it's a bizarre film, but it's, 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 you know, it's actually quite a decent film. And one of the things he does when he needs to make sure whether or not he's in the real world or the dream world is that he has a spinning top. You remember that in the film? It's a spinning top. And when he spins it, if... Um, it falls, he knows he's in the real world. If it keeps spinning, he's in this dream world. It's, it's the idea of to, to earth him, to, to, to make sure that he knows there's an assurance. This is where I'm meant to be. This is the real stuff. What I want to look at today are a couple of things. When we are in survival of the fittest mode, when all is going on around us, all I want to do is just look at a couple of things which will be our spinning tops, which will help ground us will help us remember that we are secure, we are significant, we are assured in Jesus Christ. Because I don't know what your lives are like. You all look like lovely people who have great lives and you all look fresh. Not like us lot in South East London, we look a little bit more rugged. But, um, but for, for, for me, I know that even though I've been a Christian now 18 years, 17, 18 years, there are still mornings when I wake up and I'm like, I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed with what's going on in my life. And without even getting into it too big, I could, it might even be the case that I just get woken up continuously at five o'clock in the morning by my youngest daughter, who's, who's, who's two. And we laugh, but I'm, you know, I'm not going to be overly holy, but some of the prayers is just like, Lord, give me your spirit just to get through the next two hours because I'm tired. It might be something as simple as that. It might be some of the ills which are going on in our nation, which is just impacting us. It might be other things. I want to just ask God just to help us there. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get into how to flourish in Jesus, even though we can feel like we're in the survival of the fierce mode. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this amazing opportunity to just speak your word to Brixton, or part of Brixton, not all of Brixton. Right. It's just wonderful, Lord. And I say, Holy Spirit, come in power today. Give me uh, the words which I can penetrate uh, the hearts of the women when we're here. We say, Holy Spirit, come and minister to us, encourage us, support us, give us wisdom. Yeah, and I just pray that uh, you are honoured in everything we say in your name. Amen. Amen. Okay. So the first spinning top, the first thing which I feel we can do better <laughs> at when uh, life is going all over the place is to listen, is to listen. What do I mean by that? Well, my dear grandmother, a uh, staunch Jamaican lady, had this uh, phrase which she'd often say to me, weirdly, uh, that those who do not hear uh, must feel. Anyone, anyone relate to that? Anyone who understands... Jamaican culture, I'm sure it's not just Jamaican culture, but that is what I used to get. I don't know why she would say that to me regularly, maybe there was something there. But that was an idea of understanding. Obviously, we're in a different time, so I'm not saying that we should be necessarily 
getting into any of the the violence I might have experienced growing up with my with my parents and grand, grandparents. But it's interesting that there is a call to listen to good advice. And um, one of the best places in the Bible to talk about this, I think, is in the parable of the sower in, in Luke 8, uh, 4 to 8. So if you've got your Bibles, it will come up on the screen, but we're just going to read from this. Um, and... Yeah, I, I use the ESV Bible, so hopefully this is not going to be confusing to anybody. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it, and it choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. For me, that's one of the key verses in this section and uh, what you've got here is God talking about the different ways that his word will be received by people how it can be received how this wonderful glorious news of how we rebelled against God and we continue to rebel and we rebelled against this holy God and we've got no right to be in his presence and we should have his wrath upon us but God in his mercy has sent his son. We've been singing about amazing grace. And that is what we were given. How that good news is received. God in this story represents the sower. The seed represents the word of God. The soil or the ground is our response. And interestingly, it's the sower and the seed which remain consistent here. But it's the soil that varies. It's the ears and the hearts which vary. The fate of the seed, the fate of the word of God depends on the quality of the heart it falls upon. And that's how God works. There's always like a partnership here. How we respond to the word of God is vital to how we live our lives. How we hear the word of God. What we, how we devour it. I'm reading this book at the moment with this crazy title. It, if I'm on the train and I'm reading this, but really this is the moment where you don't judge a book by its cover. But it's called, um, and I have to get this right, Why I Have Stopped Talking to White People About Race. You know, you get some looks. <laughs> you know, I, I attempted to kind of cover it up a little bit when I'm, when you put someone else around there, you know, but Harry Potter or something like that. Um, and the, the premise of the book is that the, the author wrote a, a blog piece about uh, why she's decided to stop talking about race to people. She's basically saying that I find it hard to talk to white, she's a black woman, hard to talk to white people about race because I feel that they don't listen. So sometimes it's like, ah, that's all right for you, I'm not going to engage. Sometimes they do the typical thing of trying to solve the issue of race within that conversation. And other times it's just like, I'm just indifferent to it. 
And as a result, she's like, I, because people are not hearing and listening, I'm disengaging from the conversation. And when she put that blog post out, what actually happened was two things. One, black people were like, yeah, yeah, I understand that. That's how I feel. Fight the power. And on the other hand, you've got... Then what she didn't expect was white people's response. Don't disengage. Please don't disengage. I'm sorry that you've gone through this, but how are we going to grow and expand and understand race if you disengage? So then she was like, okay, I'm in a funny situation here. Let me write a book. <laughs> and, um, and it's a very good book, and I would recommend white or black or anyone else to read it. It's a very good book. But the point I'm making is her argument was how you hear information and what you do with that information is important this is a fascinating story in this parable in the bible because i won't go through it all because we haven't got time but there's some things which you see how the word impacts different situations and how you hear stuff if you take the fact that some of the seed fell on rocky ground and it withered because there was no moisture it's a picture of the lack of support that person hearing the word that seed had growing up. There was no staying power. Here's the thing. When we listen to the word of God, who, is, who else do we listen to? Who's encouraging us? Where do we get our accountability? Who's challenging you? When I became a Christian all those years ago, it was very apparent that I needed people around me who were going to do all those things. Who It wasn't just a case of me picking up the word of God and absorbing it. I needed to hear from some godly people as well. Owen was one of them. Another time in another place, maybe at the barbecue today, I'll talk to you about some of the back and forth me and this gentleman have gone through. But it's great to have that, that, that person walking alongside me. You see it in the Bible, Jonathan and David. Classic example of people, uh, brothers, walking in, in God together, helping each other out. You see it with Naomi and Ruth. You see it with Moses and Aaron. Uh, you, you just see constantly relationships where God has placed people to speak truth into their lives. Another example in this story is how sometimes what we hear is in competition with what is going on in the world around us. So when the seed gets choked, when it starts growing, it's a representation of the other things we are hearing in conflict with with the word of God. I guarantee probably 80% of you on social media. I have to fight myself, not the first thing I do in the morning, uh, is to go onto Twitter or go onto Facebook. And I'm not about to say any of that is bad. But we are in a, in a time when there is a, uh, a desire to fight for our attention. And what we see here is that the seed is being choked. Now, that might be not just through social media. It might be for ambition. On one hand, I, I could go this way. I could go for this job. I could go for uh, this opportunity. And that might, that might not be bad, but at what cost? Maybe a bit like me, your experiences, wealth and materialism outweigh anything else. But you hear something completely countercultural in the Bible. 
We, when we hear things, when we hear the word of God, how we listen and digest it actually makes a massive impact to how we live our lives. We get to the point where it talks about the good soil, a heart that hears the word, retains the word, perseveres with the word. And as a result of that, you see this impressive, fruitful crop. How do we flourish in a time where everything is about survival? We are encouraged in the word of God to listen to the word and absorb it, internalize it, embrace it and put it into practice. It's a bit like if you've got children here, you may experience this battle when it comes to vegetables. It's weird. My my daughter loves it. She's two. She loves vegetables. My son is five in September. He, He can't stand them. But imagine if you've had a bowl of vegetables in front of you, and you know that is good. But if you just picked up the, the broccoli, for example, and just licked it and put it down, you're not going to get any nutrients. You're not going to get anything. You're going to have to eat it and let it do something inside you. <laughs> it's like the word of God. It's not a thing where you can just be like, mm, skin read, yes, yeah, sweet, and I'm off. No, 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 you you are to absorb that word. Wrestle with God. God encourages us to wrestle with him. Wrestle with God. Anyone who's a counsellor here, there's a a great counselling technique when you are, uh, uh, you you know, you being in in the chair (laughs) talking to the counsellor, good counsellors will repeat back what you've said to demonstrate that they've been listening, to demonstrate empathy. I think we are to do that with the word of God. You read it, and then I'll go back to God. So is this this your promises? Okay, how how do you then relate what you're saying into my life with my friends, with my non-Christian friends, with with my Christian friends, with my children, with my work? Let me go back and forth. Only then will the word stick. Only then will it start transforming. James 1.22, it won't come up, but it says this. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. I think it's a powerful verse. So, our first spinning top, when all around us is going crazy and we're like, I'm in survival of the fittest mode, is to listen and absorb the word of God. And you don't have to do that on your own. Find somebody to help you do that. My second point, my second spinning top, the second thing which I think we can improve on, or maybe I'm just speaking to myself, is trusting God. Trust. If listening is the first thing, but actually trusting him. I think there was an old Drake song which said something along the lines of no new friends. That was his whole thing. We got my little circle of people and I've got no new friends. And when I first came to King's, um, I, I don't know if Owen, I don't know if you, if you knew, would even know this, but before me and my then girlfriend, my now wife, uh, went to King's to do the Alpha course, um, I did a little bit of kind of a recce, because I was like, mm, yeah, let's see what this church is about. <laughs> if I'm about to spend eight weeks doing the Alpha course, I want to kind of do some due diligence and see what's going on. <laughs> so I came in, kind of sneaked in, I probably wasn't wearing a hoodie, but, you know, the full effect. You know, I came in and sat at the very back, and I just kind of was watching what was going on. And the first thing I remember experiencing is I walked in, and there was this 
kind of wave of energy, which I will now say was the Holy Spirit, seeing people raising their hands, getting excited about God. Now, my church I used to go to in Woolwich, I think he would turn up the Holy Spirit maybe once every 18 months or something like that. But at King's, it was there. So I'm, I'm freaked out. I'm like, mm, don't know about this. Um, and I went back and reported back, back to my wife. I was like, mm, but she was like, no, we're going. Yeah, we're going to have to go anyway. And I remember that, um, which is pretty much, <laughs> which has gone on for the last 14 years. I don't want to do it. You're going. All right, cool. Um, she's not here, so I can say so much. It's great. Um, and I remember that, uh, again, in the early days of my walk, um, uh, one time Owen was leading, and probably Pauline as well, was leading kind of like a weekend away, and I think we went to Carity Wood or somewhere like that, and again, I'm nervous. I'm like, okay, I'm now stepping with all these Christians, like real Christians, and I'm just like in it a little bit, <laughs> you know, this is, this is odd. And uh, Owen being Owen, he was just like, he'll be fine, you know, just get involved. And I remember um, being put in a room with somebody I didn't know. I didn't know many people, but I really didn't know this person. But in Owen, in his thinking, was right, these two would be good together. And there was me having to say to God, I'm not comfortable, I'm out of my comfort zone, but what I do know about this is that you're a good, good father, and therefore I'm going to have to trust you. I'm going to have to trust you. One of the things I learned from that experience and many more experiences is that you will only truly grow and flourish when you are taken out of your comfort zones. That is when the real work begins. This is something which we see in Luke 9 in the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. It won't come out in, in its entirety. I just want to just quickly paraphrase it. But you've got Jesus here uh, him and the disciples have just come off like his healing mission. <laughs> and there, because Jesus is Jesus, there's a crowd which has come with him. And they get to this point where the crowd is following him. And, you know, I'm, I'm a bit like the disciples. It's time, we've done our work, now go home. Is what he says, to, they're saying to Jesus, come and just send them home. And, and, um, and then they say, oh, and they're hungry. And Jesus says this, which will come up. You give them something to eat. But they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. So you've got to understand, like, uh, when you look into this stuff, the scripture says 5,000, but that's just the men. So we haven't included the women, and we haven't included the children, so it's probably more around the 20,000 mark. So that's a lot of people who are hungry. Um, And I don't know about you, but... When I'm in a situation when I'm hungry, I'm not the nicest person to be around. And I was just saying to Laura before we came, actually, I was like, oh, my son has a trait where you can see he gets, when he gets a bit upset and a bit angry, the usual thing is that he's hungry. I was like, I don't know where he gets that from. You know, I don't know where he gets that at all. But I don't, and I've been in family situations where it looks like the food might be running out slightly at a barbecue. Hint, hint, hopefully this is not going to happen today. And then people are getting a little bit rowdy. Can you imagine 20,000 hungry people? And Jesus has gone, but I've got a few loaves as a fish. I can imagine it's not a cool moment. But what we see here, and I don't know if people have been in a situation where your needs of the moment far outstrip your resources and abilities. 
And this is where I see Jesus doing the best work when we have no other thing but to trust him. And I think what happens is that we miss this experience of his greatness when we fail to jump into him, into the unknown, this leap of faith, and we think, oh, no, 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 I've got this. Now, can you imagine how ridiculous it would have been if the disciples was like, ah, yeah, okay, so you're telling us to do this thing, Jesus, but we're gonna, we'll take it from here. No, it just wouldn't have worked. The temptation is always for us to rely on our own strength, but it is very dumb. This is what Martin Luther King says. He says this, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in the moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. The Bible is full of stories of men and women who on the, pa- on the face of it had no right to achieve what they were doing. Let's take Moses, 80-year-old man, uh, not very good at speaking, and God's chosen him to be the guy to go up against Pharaoh, king of Egypt. On the face of it, there is no way this is going to work out well for him. But we, we are all kind of familiar with the story. If you're not, read the Bible or... Go and watch The Ten Commandments, which is still a good film, even though it was done about 100 years ago. It was good. Um, But this is what you see. You see that with Moses. He goes on and through the power of God conquers Pharaoh. We see it with Gideon, this guy who's doing all types of stuff with sheep. And God says, go and fight the Midianites. And on top of that, yeah, I'm going to start you off with 35,000 men, but I'm going to whittle it right down to 300. Like... Only God can take insignificant people in these situations where it looks like there's no answer, but it forces us to trust him. This is the second spinning top. When everything around us is going wrong, do we automatically just turn to him for our provision, our power? Or do we still think, no, 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 I've got this, God. I've got this. And God's just sitting there like, do you not understand who I am? Do you not understand what I've achieved in the, in, in the word, what I've seen in other things, in your lives, in your family's lives? It's like God is consistently reminding us to trust him rather than our own abilities. The second spinning top to earth us, to ground us, to give us assurance when all things are going pear-shaped around us is to take a leap of faith, to trust him. This is my story. Honestly, I'm as normal as you can get. I remember being at school and um, the teachers on one of my reports was like, I, I don't think Ben has got the capabilities to do A-levels. And I was like, all right, that's interesting considering the person who's writing this had never taught me. But it was like, okay, fine. But I did them anyway. I did A-levels. And then I remember uh, people had questions about me going to university as well. Again, I'm like, all right. And my mum and my grandma and everybody are very praying people. They're prayer warriors. And I ended up going to Brunel and I studied English literature and business studies a long time ago. And I remember when I got married, 
We got married in tw uh, two, uh, 2003, get that right. And um, I was working in the city at the time. I was working for an organisation called Oftel, which ended up becoming Ofcom, which kind of regulates the communications in this country. And in that transition, I got offered to either go to Ofcom or uh, take voluntary redundancy. And I just felt in my spirit, I felt God saying, I want you to come out of this field, trust me, and get into youth work. Because God had done something when I became a Christian. For the first time, I started looking at things which wouldn't normally impact me. I started seeing the hurt and the pain of the families and young people around me. And I started doing a few little things off my own back. But here we came to this moment where it was like, are you going to trust me or are you always going to do what you know? And uh, it was a funny time. We'd been married like one month and this opportunity came out. I don't know what my mother-in-law was thinking. Just mad, my daughter, now you're talking about leaving your career and doing something. <laughs> Good one, you know. Um, but I was like, all right, Lord, I'm going to step in faith. I'm going to trust you. I took a wage drop. And then, actually, I, I trained as a men learning mentor, went to a, a primary school in South East London, was a mentor there. And then my career, working in young people, just went from there. And I've never looked back. But it's God challenging me in around situations to step out in faith. Even leading a church in, in New Cross. This is, I mean, I, honestly, I laugh at this situation. I sometimes look in the mirror and be like, <laughs> me leading a church in New Cross. Me, I still look at myself as that, yeah, just that kid from South London who was just in, it, in everything, really involved in stuff. Some things I shouldn't have been, but... It's just hilarious, but even doing that, I had to wrestle. God, I don't know if I want to do this. I've still got dreams of... I'll tell you something very quickly. I got to a point in my career working with young people where my next step, I remember planning, you know what, I'm going to be earning 100 grand a year in the next few months because I am the, the type of consultant I am around gangs and serious youth violence. There's no one better. No one. And on top of that, I reckon the MBE will come pretty soon as well because... That needs to happen. That was, in my, that was in my head. And God was like, yeah, okay, but what about this? This church, which hasn't even, it doesn't exist yet. Pride, ego. But I took a sleep. I was like, all right, Lord, are we that type of people? Are we prepared to do that? When we come to that point where it's like, do we jump in or not? We have to remember what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says. This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. This is what it says in Ephesians, Paul again. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. This is what it says in Philippians. And Paul again says this, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And this is what Jesus himself says, what is impossible with men is possible with God. So when we are faced with these situations and it's like, do I trust you, Lord, or do I go with my, with my own strength? We got to trust the Lord because it's here. And these these. These brilliant truths is what we, ha we have to turn to 
for us to grow and to flourish. Do we operate like this? When we flourish, we we have to be in a position where we surrender, where we humble ourselves. We throw ourselves onto him. I'm going to close in a second, but I feel God wants to remind us that we're in a new lane. We're in a new lane. As Christians, we're in a new lane. Ephesians 4 says this, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceit, thoughts, desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on your new self, created after the likeness of God in a true righteousness and holiness. If we get the next picture up, this is um, uh, me driving in Ibiza about four weeks ago. And when I said Ibiza, it was the nice part. I wasn't raving San Antonio, Ibiza town. I had a wedding to go out to with my family. And you can see how picturesque it is and all that type of thing. To be honest, it was this part, the driving was the worst experience of my life. Because for some reason, I completely forgot that when you go to most foreign countries, they drive on the right-hand side. And everything's right-hand drive. So... For those who have been on holiday and had a hire car, the one thing you don't want to do is dent your car because it's quite expensive. Guess what I did? (laughs) And um, it was just a weird experience because you almost have to undo and unlearn everything which you've known, you know? Here's my point. I think sometimes we do not flourish because we do not realise we're in a new lane. And what we tend to do is try and go back to our old lane because that's where we're comfortable. If I decided to think, oh, this right-hand drive business is just long, I'm going to go back to what I'm used to on my left-hand drive, I would have crashed the car. I would be avoiding things which I don't need to be avoiding. I feel God is saying, church, when you believe in me, understand you're in a new lane. We're in a new lane. Listen to my word. Trust me. Yeah, it feels odd. Yeah, it feels like this is a bit strange. But God is saying, you're in a new lane. Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. When we trust and listen to Jesus, we don't just survive, we will flourish. And God consistently surprises me. It consistently surprises me. The two beautiful things about those two stories, about the seeds and uh, the feeding of the 5,000, is that you see what God does. In verse 8 it says, and Luke 8, off the back of the story around the parable of the seeds, it says this, and some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. So when you absorb the word and you listen, God will multiply and flourish you. And then... At the end of Luke 9, it says, and they ate and were satisfied, and that was left over, picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces. When you listen and trust God, even if the process is hard, you will be satisfied. How do we respond to this? I felt God just say to me that for some of us here, we are living in survival of the fittest mode, and God wants us to live in the John 10 mode of abundant life. I feel we've got a moment here just to 
almost recommit ourselves to God. I don't know all your situations, but I know that if you're anything like me, the temptation is just too easy for me to go my own way. Just go my own way. Walk in by faith and not sight is really not easy, but it's what the Bible commands us to do. So I'm going to get the band back up, if that's okay. And, and just before we, we sing, I, I'd just like you just to close your eyes. I just feel God is just, I feel the Holy Spirit is here. I feel God is saying, what are you going to do? I know your situations. I know what's going on at home. I know what's going on with your finances. I know what's going on with your family. I know what's going on with your work. I know what's going on in your neighbourhoods. I know what's going on, which is making you and causing you to, to stumble or struggle. But I feel God saying right now, there's an opportunity for you to start again. I feel God wants to just say, come to me. Listen to me. Trust me, you're not on your own. And I'm just going to ask you to do something brave. If you feel that that is you, you're in a position where you're like, I need to know to, in my current situation, I need to listen to the Lord more. I need to trust him more. I need to take a leap of faith. I just want you to stand. Everyone's got their eyes closed. I just want you to stand and acknowledge and say, you know what, Lord, I'm here for you. I'm, I'm, I'm here for you. I'm ready to start again. I'm ready to throw myself back onto you. I'm ready to go your way. I'm ready to no longer battle in that lane. You've put me in a new lane. You've put me, you've given me a new perspective. You've given me a new heart. You're a new creation. Lord, I, I, I want you to remind me of how good you are and how great it is to trust you. I want to flourish in you. God's saying, thank you. Run to me. Thank you for all those that are standing. I just want just put your hands out and I'm just going to pray a prayer. And I'm not quite sure how you do this, Owen, but I'd love to pray with some people afterwards as well. But I'm just going to pray a prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray for your spirit to fall upon these people who have stood up. You know their situations. You know where it's easier to listen to the culture around us or better to trust themselves than you. I say right now, Whatever the situation is, give them that assurance, give them your spirit to come and be bold and courageous enough to step into your love and to step into your ways. Let us be a recommissioning moment to say, you are Lord, I surrender all. I surrender all. Holy Spirit, I pray that they start seeing the fruits of trusting you quickly. Holy Spirit, come in power and do an amazing work with these people. In your name. Okay, what we're, what we're going to do is we're going to stand together, we're going to sing together. And as uh, Ben said, he's keen just to pray uh, with people. Don't forget that word he brought earlier uh, about, about healing. So... If you want prayer specifically, maybe the prayer he prayed was enough, but if you want prayer, then even while we're singing, just come out. Ben, why don't you come over here and, and Ben will be there and uh, there'll be one or two other people who can pray with you if that's what you want. So let's sing together. If you want to be prayed for this morning, just come out and uh, we'll arrange that. We'll make that happen.
You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team or upcoming events, please visit our website which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.